Welcome to Warrior, the art of war for life, a podcast for those who want to win. Leadership lessons, motivational mindsets, empowering principles, success strategies, and transformational tactics from Swinzel, the master of victory. I'm your guide on the side, David Boyd, award-winning educator, transformational speaker, and certified life coach. It's time to start winning at life. Hey, 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 welcome everyone. Thanks for joining us. I'm just really glad you guys are here. Uh, this is our first video podcast, and uh, I am pleased to have Abigail Manning here today with us to be our first guest in this new segment. Uh, this segment is on the warrior mindset, and we're going to do a little bit of boots on the ground, uh, how a lot of this art of war for life applies uh, in real life situations and real life circumstances. And uh, we're gonna do this maybe once a month, once every couple of months, I'm gonna bring in some, some guest speakers. We're just gonna try it out. So uh, for those of you who have listened to me and never seen me before, hi, I'm David Boyd. <laughs> I'm, your, I'm your guide on the side here as we walk through uh, this great text. And, um, and, and my guest speaker today is international keynote speaker and amazing storyteller and Marine mom and just inspiration, Abigail Manning, my new friend. We've we've we met last year uh, at NCLS, which is the National Character and Leadership Symposium at the Air Force Academy, and um, just really connected over a lot of shared interests and shared message. And so uh, I've got some great questions for her. I'm going to let her introduce herself a little bit here, and uh, we're going to go from there. So uh, so let's go. Yay! <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you for having me on your podcast and the first video one. I'm proud of us. We're facing fears and obstacles and things that we ne didn't necessarily think we'd be doing in our lives. Mm. And uh, so I think that's what I stand for. Like, look at things that scare you, have a mindset on how you can rewire that and empower you to do things you never ever imagined you would do. And if they're small, right, something little like taking an art class maybe, that might be terrifying for some people. If it's starting your own podcast and then starting to videotape yourself. <laughs> <laughs> or if it's standing on big stages speaking about things that you never told anybody about five years earlier so that you can be a message of hope and unity and empowerment and choices on how to thrive. So I'm delighted to be here and I can't wait for your questions. Great. Thank you so much. And we're delighted to have you. I'm, I'm so excited to just have you back. Um, one of the things that really got me interested in bringing you on the podcast and then also bringing you into my classroom was your concept of Purple Threads. Mm -hmm. And so could you introduce to everybody Purple Threads, what it is, why it's so important, how it's kind of impacted you and, and how that shows up in, in the warrior mindset? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. So purple, so this is a curriculum that I built based on one, my academic education at Indiana University on studying cognitive communication and behavioral sciences. But it really came from living in the trenches of life, um, having grown up with a lot of different types of hardships and experiences in my life, including childhood abuse by both my parents, um, domestic violence, uh, being thrown in the pit at PTS, being dyslexic, raising two kids with a dad who walked out, my husband when they were five and two, and raising them from the time then as a solo parent, fully responsible um, to adults, and they're both Marines, as you mentioned. And um, 
And so I built curriculum based on what I had to explain it to myself. So purple threads, the reason for purple is a couple, but I'll share the first one. The first one is the color of purple means courage. And it's courage to look within yourself to see what is really happening up here, upstairs, and what's really living in my heart. And how am I showing the world who I am? And is it an authentic alignment to myself? And so the purple is, it's, it's a courageous act to do that versus pretend you're something that you're not. Um, and so the full definition of purple threads is limiting personal thoughts connected to past traumas that become physiologically tied in what we think, say, and do. So cognitive, communication, and behavioral. And then how do we understand that? How do we change it, stop any kind of limitations that we're putting on ourselves and be able to thrive and move forward through think, say, do skills. So think, say, do skills are then the way you rewire our brain and then we change the way we show up in the world and we change the way we allow the world to speak to us, to act with us, to hold us back. Um, and so that's kind of the, the whole look of it and it does take a warrior spirit and a warrior mindset in order to have that because life is hard there's a lot of hard things yeah, yes, in life <laughs> and there's a lot of really good things like when you know people get married or you have babies or you have a job promotion or you're buying a new house or you're graduating from college or you're transitioning out of the military into a civilian life those are all wonderful great things but they can be very scary and they trigger these old past thoughts that we didn't even know we had ruminating in the back of our head. Um, and so I try to work with all different groups of people from CEOs to special operators to cadets in your class and at other times here at USAFA on how do you recognize it so we can get rid of them as early on in our life as possible. Yeah, I, you know, I really appreciate you bringing that out because um, limiting beliefs is a big topic that, that I address in my podcast um, because our beliefs are what create our thinking and our thinking generates our feelings. Our feelings drive our actions and our actions to a large extent create our results. And a lot of times we think we, you know, we, we want to change something in our life by changing our results and our behaviors, but if we don't have the belief system to support it, it's going to burn out. Yes. And so I love that purple is the color of courage. Courage is one of Swinza's five key attributes, essential attributes for, for general leadership. And in Chinese, courage um, resonates like the clarion call of a bell. That's the origin oh. and the etymology of the word. Huh. And so I really like that. When we face our fears and when we um, you know, demonstrate courage, practice courage in our lives by pulling on those purple threads, we subconsciously give everybody else permission to do the same. And I love that. It's I so love, I want to high five you, but I'm not sure how that comes out on audio. <laughs> I don't know. We'll, we'll do it anyway. <laughs> I love Watch that. Watch the video version. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And, and I've been lucky that I've taught this curriculum to thousands of people. And what I love is just now you said something articulated in a different way. And I think you and I have such shared alliances and what we're thinking and sharing and communicating and hopefully helping people with their own warrior spirit and their own direction in life. But it's said differently, right? And I know I've had to hear some positive statements over and over and over in my life and hear them in a little bit of a different language. No, I don't speak Chinese. So when I sat in your class and everyone was shouting back in Chinese, very positive affirmations. I'm like, I don't know, but it feels good. The energy feels good. Um, and that's part of it. Surround yourself with other people who are willing to be courageous. So look to see who in your network is supporting you, lifting you up, encouraging you. You set a goal mm -hmm. 
and helping you continue that momentum towards that behavior. Um, if it's studying Chinese, if it's going to the gym, if it's reaching beyond what you feel comfortable doing, who are the people around you that are supporting you and talking truth versus who are the people talking smack or, as we've talked about, finger-pointing language? Yeah, yeah, which, um, which is a great lead into my next question. Um, I wanted to bring back around, you, know, you mentioned this idea of, of saying the same things, and I just thought, I love pizza. But I don't like the same pizza every time. And oh. sometimes, you know, getting a new take on pizza mm -hmm. can be really reinvigorating. And so, you know, your messaging, my messaging, where they overlap, I love the overlaps. You know, I love hearing Tony Robbins say something that I've taught my class because I feel so <laughs> validated, right? It's like, yes, that's what I've been saying. I'm not crazy, you know? Exactly. <laughs> and, and, but it's, it's true, you know? Right. We all need to be on that same stage because you can reach people that I can't. Mm -hmm. And I might be able to reach some people, especially if they speak Chinese, that maybe you, you don't have access to. Right. And I so. might represent something coming from trauma and abuse. If someone looks, sounds, feels, acts like somebody who has hurt you, harmed you, an ex-husband, an ex-partner, like whatever, right? Then you throw up these walls. We put up filters. So maybe... You know, I'm not for everybody, that's for sure. And so if you don't like my voice, then you can go to somebody else. You can try a different piece of pizza. You can try yeah. a different one, right? <laughs> and um, I think that's what's beautiful is when we stay open to listening to messages, especially from people we don't identify necessarily with or recognize or think that we're going to have any shared goals or commonalities. One of the things I love in the classes today that you and I taught, um, people kept saying, wow, they're all kind of the same. We had people write down what their secret unworthiness statement is, what their limiting thought is. And we crumple it up and we open it up and they know we're going to read it. And at the end of the day, they're shocked because they thought they were the only one who felt that way. And you looked around and you're like, I didn't think you'd feel the same way as me. Yeah. Right? And so that commonality means I can have more empathy for you. You can have more understanding and compassion for me. And we can work around differences so much better and faster and we can find shared connection and work more efficiently together and happier. Yeah. Let's be happier. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, you, you touched on empathy and, and of course you can't talk about empathy without mentioning Brene Brown and her work. But empathy is actually uh, another one of Swinza's oh. five um, essential attributes for leadership. And wow. it's, it's getting in touch with our own humanity. It's the ability to relate to another person through our shared humanity. Yeah. Through the fact that, you know, I don't need to have your shame to recognize that I have my own shame and you know I know that feeling of shame and how horrible it is so yeah. the fact that when as soon as I know that you've got your shame I can relate to it yeah. without saying it doesn't have to be the same it's just the fact that we both have shame yeah. that we can then not feel so alone in that exactly you exactly know? and and knowing and so even taking like the word shame I just say people have their own purple threads mm -hmm. and even the people who look perfect picture like picture perfect they, as I flip it, being dyslexic, I'm like flipping what I, I want to say and what I'm saying is everybody has purple threads. So if I come to you and I meet you and I already know you have some purple threads, right? I can look past what you're doing. I can look past the behavior. Are you antagonistic? Are you angry? Are you withdrawn and sullen and won't look me in the face? I can look past that because I know there's something so much deeper inside of you and that everyone has a purple thread, at least one. I have yet to meet anybody who doesn't have something rattling in their brain that is counterproductive in their life. Um, and 
I can, I can come from an authentic perspective of caring about somebody and connection. And then smart people like to figure out what it is versus putting judgment. Like, wow, he's a jerk. Wow, she's so rude. Um, I can look, then I, it takes more curiosity and mental gymnastics to try to figure out what the purple thread is. And you do that by asking questions. Oh, yeah. so where'd you grow up? Oh, tell me about, you find out those things and you're like, oh, well, I grew up in that same area. I didn't know that about you. Or mm -hmm. I've never lived in Alaska. Tell me more about it. And you find points of connection, even with the people that you don't like, right? And so I teach this in Navy leadership that the people that you dislike the most, those are the people you have to work the hardest on and find the mental challenge in finding the shared connection. Mm -hmm. And then making sure you don't use words of like shame and you know, how could you and blame, but find how you can lift and elevate. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, we all have those limiting lies, right? Mm -hmm. Those limiting beliefs, those purple threads. And, you know, I, I love the, the emphasis on curiosity mm. instead of finger pointing language. Um, and, and that, that leads us into the, into the second question. So, when you came last year to USAFA, one of the most impactful things that you said, and I wrote it down in my notes and I've used it every day of my life since, oh. is no blame, no shame, no judgment. Yeah. Could you tell me a little bit about where that came from? And, yeah. And, and how, how you discovered that, articulated that? Yeah. And before I do, I want to say thank you. Because it, it's hard to say vulnerable. Like, you impacted me. You, you... I was not feeling good about myself and you filled me up, right? Like we have to admit a vulnerability mm -hmm. and then we have to share that. And that could be a point where I could ridicule you. I could make fun of you. I could use that as a weapon against you. And that's what I grew up with. Mm -hmm. Like don't share because it'll come back right. to bite you later yeah, on. So like you that. have to be able to know that you're strong enough and I don't believe those lies anymore. So that if you do, it's okay, I'm good in my own skin. Mm -hmm. And part of the reason that came to me, the finger pointing language, is my dad um, was, was a very volatile person, a strong guy, and when he got upset, he'd get right in your face and he would take his finger and slam you right on your heart mm. with every word he would say. Wow. And he would always not say, what a beautiful, lovely child. You're gonna grow up to be somebody someday. <laughs> I love you, sweet little child. No, it was shame, blame, and judgment. You are stupid. You are not wanted. Mm -hmm. um, I wouldn't get mad if you weren't such a da-da-da-da-da, right? And it was always the shame and the blame and the judgment. And when you have that your entire life, especially from both parents, starting from the time you were born, that, you know, forever, it's called gaslighting. And you really believe that to be true. You believe you're the problem. You believe you're never gonna make it. You believe you're not smart. You believe no one will like you. You believe you're not wanted here. And that's when we have the choice to decide, are those the lies woven in me or are those purple threads that I can remove? And the key to this is the brain will believe what you tell it. So if we're looking for confirmation, if I come up to you and I'm defensive or angry or cranky with you, and then you're like, yeah, I don't wanna talk to her and walks away, it proves I'm not worthy of someone talking to me. Mm. It proves I'm unlikable. Well, no, it doesn't. I'm sending all those messages, stay away, because I don't want you to hurt me, right? right. And because I'm afraid of it, I'm afraid of what's gonna happen, but instead, I can own who I am, and then the shame, blame, and judgment, I know is not mine to own. So if you came at me, and you like attacked with those types of words, like literally, 
then I can say that's his problem. Mm. That's his purple threads, it's not mine. Now, if I did mess up and I was supposed to be there at 10 o'clock and it's 10.30 and we missed the train or missed the plane, yeah, mine, it's mine, you're right. I'm not stupid and dumb, I am late and I do apologize. You can own it versus be combative. Mm. And to me, that's how we own our own space, right? And we don't escalate situations, we can de-escalate it. And you say, you know what? I've been late before myself. And I say, thank you for understanding. My daughter was really sick and I couldn't get anybody to come over fast enough like to help me, And but my daughter comes first. And then you would say, well, of course, of yeah. course. And that's, thank you, thanks for understanding. And the next time you need a favor, I'm gonna have more understanding and bandwidth versus he's always late, what's his problem? Why isn't he respecting my time? Right, yeah, interesting. Huh, okay. So the no blame, no shame, no judgment. Mm -hmm. And that's, that was really impactful to me because I did blame shame and judge myself. And you know, it's, it's really interesting. Uh, Stephen Covey said, we see the world not as it is, but as we are, or mm. as we are conditioned to see it. And if we're conditioned to see ourselves as failures in the world, then we start, our brain goes and, and finds all the proof, right? The confirmation bias comes back. Mm -hmm. It starts looking for all the evidence of why we're such a screw up, why we're unworthy, why we yep. don't belong. And, and you know, it, it, for me, it, it did start with me, right? The things that other people said to me were only hurtful because I already believed them inside. Yeah. And um, yeah, so that was that was a real game changer for me to be able to raise the awareness and say, okay, that's a blame statement, that's a shaming statement, and that's just flat out judgment, or as, as I like to say, misjudgment, because every judgment implies uh. a certain amount of misjudgment on our part, and we can't see the whole picture of ourselves or anybody else, right? And, to be not just our greatest critics, but also our greatest advocates. Oh, I love it. Oh. Yeah. We're way too hard on ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. Most people, so narcissists, sociopaths, I'm not gonna put them in ourselves category because they think they're wonderful, <laughs> they think they're amazing, they have no ownership over anything, right? The world is just lucky to like witness me. But for the rest of all of us, because mm. they are out there, I, I know firsthand, um, and, but the rest of us, if we could just be kinder to ourselves, like not so hard um, on who we are and what we're doing. We think everybody else has it figured out. We think everybody else looks so great. They look polished, they look professional, they have all of these different certifications or attributes um, that we aspire to, but their internal dialogue is often very, very, it's more similar than it is dissimilar. Yeah. And it's usually something, I'm not enough. And then the moment you can Stop that. That's good. And thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Do you know the root cause to why those shame, blame, and judgment? Like when you would hear those in your head? Um, well, so, you know, I like to say that uh, I have a master's degree, if not a PhD in self-deception from the School of Hard Knocks. And um, <laughs> it's true. I, I, you know, I was, I was captain of the People Pleasing Club and I was you know, captain of the performance-based worth and toxic perfectionism club. Growing up, I, I, I learned, because I have a, a slight disability, um, and I was teased mercilessly in middle school, and 
one of the things that I learned from that was people will judge you without even knowing who you are mm -hmm. based on something. And, mm -hmm. and the way that I compensated for that was through performance. Uh, and so, oh, well, if I can perform well in this athletic event, if I can perform well here or there, then they stop teasing me. And, but then that becomes a crazy roller coaster, yeah. you know, that you're only as good as your last game. Yeah. And even when you hit, you know, even when you make that diving game winning catch, uh -huh. it's like, well, how do I maintain that? How do I one up that the next time? Because mm -hmm. it's a, it's a short life cycle. Yeah. And if you have someone who's trying to use manipulation and purple threads and weave them into you, um, they will say, uh, well, you got lucky. You got lucky. Now, if Joe had been there, he wouldn't have had to dive. He would have ran fast enough, caught the ball, and threw the guy out at first as well. Right? Like, yeah. Yep. So we have to be really careful, and when we know each other's purple threads, we can say those things. Like, you know, we can say, like, that was really great. You did great. You know, um, you can help erase those and rewire truth. That's why it's really important when we see people to acknowledge the goodness in them. Because it may be the first time someone says, I really like what you said. Um, that was impactful what you did. Like, it was beautiful watching the way you parented your child. I do that in, in grocery stores and things like that. And I'll look and I'm like, wow, it's easy to see you're a great parent. Like, that was really lovely. Mm -hmm. Right? And they're like, oh, no, I'm not. I'm like, no, you are. Yes, you're you're a great parent. Like I've raised kids. Like that that was really good. And you can see the mom like going from frustration to like joy and the kid going to like wait, what? What's going on? And then they come over and they hug the parent. And like it's just this beautiful shift of energy when just minutes before the kid was arguing cuz the kid wanted a candy bar. I don't know why they put that in the aisles, right? When you're standing there waiting forever to go yeah. shopping and check out and they have all the food and the toys and the candy the kids are going crazy for. Mm -hmm. Um and it's amazing how much you can shift it. One, you can see it, and a lot of times we don't. We don't know that we've done it until years later. If this is a year later, you're telling me that, wow, what you said a year ago at NCLS impacted me every single day. Like, yeah, yeah. That's, that's huge. Like, yeah. I, I didn't know, so yeah, you don't know the impact you're making on people, people watching right now, and that person then going and telling something different to somebody else, right? Like sharing what we're talking about. Like, hey, I, I, I want to apply this. Um, I think that's what makes us a better world. Absolutely, yeah. As a matter of fact, I, I talked about this in a recent episode, um, talked about the pitfall of futility. Mm. And I don't know if you've ever heard the starfish story, but yes, you yeah. know, I grew up with the starfish story because I grew up on the beach in California. Okay. And so every time I saw a starfish, I was thinking, yeah, you know, it, it matters for this one. We can't let the immensity of, of the problems of this world, you know, discourage us to the point that we don't help the one starfish in front of us. Yeah. And, you know, that's, yeah, for a long time, I let my problems disqualify me from using my strengths to help other people mm -hmm. because of that you know those those limiting those purple threads that were in my mind mm -hmm. and um, no more no more no, no more no more <laughs> absolutely not yeah and so so let's talk about your journey how you got to purple threads how you got to no blame no shame no judgment what was it like for you as all of a sudden a single mom having been through what you've been through, how did you warrior up in that moment mm -hmm. and and find your why? And could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I'd be happy to. Um, mainly to help other people do it better than I did. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, 
I did a lot of internal negative dialogue, um, not good enough, not going to make it. I never believed I could raise kids on my own, mm -hmm. financially, emotionally, physically, spiritually, athletically, like academically, you know, I still had a lot of purple threads in my head and I did a really good job and I really worked hard. I always did the right thing and that was exhausting and I did the right thing the best I could. But I also, and I also put everything into the kids, which I think a good parent does because I came from one extreme, right? The other end and I didn't want that for my kids. I wanted to stop the cycles and I wanted to be the good in the world and I wanted them to go forward and make good decisions. Um, so I had to learn the hard way like to teach myself what I was actually teaching my kids about we do the right thing and we believe in you and I love you and I care about you and it's okay to make mistakes and um, this is our safe haven. Anything set inside this house is our fortress. We are safe here, we are loved here, we can be mad at each other and that's okay and that's good. Now tell me more, tell me why and mm -hmm. what can I do? Um, so if we can learn those purple threads, um, at the end of the day, I did financially do it right and I did emotionally do it and they both achieved a lot of success in the Marine Corps and their lives are just this beautiful trajectory continuing to move upward and I wish that I had learned um, how to self-identify in me so I could be kinder to myself mm -hmm. and pour on myself what I poured on my kids yeah that's did that answer the question I don't yeah. I don't know I got going I, and I think I, so okay I, I, it, right. it was beautiful I you know, you know, what I hear you saying is so much of what you share in Purple Threads in your work is really lessons learned down in the trenches. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, it's not like when we think of a lot of times when we think of, of strategy and we think of art of war and we think about how do we apply this in life, we think of some general in the Pentagon. But the reality is you figure this out down in the trenches on the front line all of a sudden you're you're on your own yeah. you've got two kids they're two and five yeah. when this starts yeah. and and you you're not perfect at that stage you still have lots oh. of purple threads and you're like okay well i'm gonna pull on this now and yeah. we're gonna, i'm gonna say hey see this one watch out for this one yeah or whatever it is and so you taught your kids i mean i i have a lot of respect for that my wife is the one that's done almost all of that my job you know with my kids was uh showing up and playing with them and I've, I've tried to expand my repertoire a little bit there um, but uh, yeah what a, what amazing and just hard work at times and so but you know what it didn't seem hard like it was hard it was really really hard but it was so my mission my passion my purpose mm. it was almost like redemption like they tried to break me I mm. will not break I will bend, I will fold, I will buckle, I will lay in the bottom of my closet, I will cry, and then I'm gonna stand back up. And I'm gonna go back out there, and I'm gonna give those little faces what they need. And it was tough love. I wasn't like a, oh, you're so wonderful and everything is so great. You know, like, it was, this is not how we behave. This is not how we treat each other. Here's how I expect you to talk to me, right? And doors were moved off of bedrooms, and you know, all the drama of raising teenage kids and all that kind of stuff. But it was always, and you are loved and you are safe. And no matter how much you push me away, unlike your dad who ran away, I will not run. I will not run. And I think when you can give that firm of foundation, you can change lives. Um, the, the statistics of where my kids should have ended up 
mm. are far different than the reality of where they did because I didn't quit. But that was my fuel. So it didn't feel as hard because I was mission driven and I was doing it. Mm. Right. So I see this like in, in special operators when they transition out, they feel like the mission is done. The purpose is done. And it does feel that way. Empty Nester exactly felt that way for me, from my perspective. Like, I'm not comparing the two, but just that same commonality. Right. Like, yeah, yeah. My, my mission is done. I poured everything into this, and they went on. They left me. They went on to these great, wonderful lives, and they're not like, hey, yo, Mom, how are you doing? Can I bring you pizza? You know? <laughs> and, and then you have to reinvent yourself. And I think that's the cool thing about Purple Feds, is you can reinvent what you keep up here. You can reinvent that and you can reinvent your purpose and your mission um, like I'm doing right now. It doesn't mean it's easy, but anything that's worth doing that's hard is so much more emotionally rewarding and um, empowering, like self-empowering. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. You know, you talk about mission and how that really helped you. Um, and, and the very first thing in the art of war is to figure out, you know, well, Warfare is a big deal. It is this huge endeavor. And applying that into our lives, once we know what our big deal is, what our mission is, mm -hmm. things get clearer yeah. and they get easier. Yeah. Because then we, you know, we have our why and our why is our way forward. Yeah. Um, it, it allows us, you know, so we talk about the why, that the Tao in Chinese is the vision that a leader has at the crossroads of choice oh. to see and to move in a certain direction. I like it. And uh, the you know the the imagery is actually of like, think of a um, an elephant, the matriarch of the herd, or or the big buck of, of you know a herd of deer or something, and they're just always watching and they're looking for opportunity mm -hmm. and um, and to protect and provide. And that's what that's what you did as a single mom. Yeah. I will say yes and yes. And that was always me as a little kid too. Pr protect and provide. Interesting. I protected um, other kids. I protected older siblings. I protected hmm. that. That's, uh, you know, and, and that's what my kids do too. They protect. Yeah. Like they, you know, and, and that I think is so purposeful versus it's about me. And what about me? And I, I don't say I'm a survivor. I don't say I'm a victim. I say I experienced those things because I get to choose what I call myself. So I choose to be a thriver. I choose the people around me to believe that they can thrive. You, we're not like, it's not like a top of the mountain, you get there and you stay there. That's not the goal of thriving. The goal of thriving is to say what has been holding me back and work on it and improve it, right? Or own it, but not put it on somebody else's shoulders. Not put that blame and shame and judgment on somebody else's shoulders. Like, I would have been good if you hadn't, whatever. That boss who didn't promote me, mm. um, you know, I didn't, I didn't get a college education handed to me like you did. I, like, right, forget all that. That doesn't help anybody. That doesn't help anybody. Yeah, yeah. So let's circle back around to your kids. The, you know, as a, you did this great job of raising them, they went out and they joined the Marines. Mm -hmm. So you are a two-time Marine mom. Yep, yep. And what, how did that shift the battle, right? Em empty nest at home, but you've still got kids out there in harm's way in a lot of cases. How did the battle change for you at that point <laughs> as you're reinventing yourself, but you've still uh, got kids out there? Yeah. And they'll always be my kids, right? Yeah, like, absolutely. they'll always be like, you know, uh, my kiddos. Um, that was a hard one because 
you can't protect and you can't provide. I can't call up a general and say, hey, I'm concerned over my son and the combat <laughs> that situation. Could you please send him home? He, he may be... <laughs> right? Yeah, I could see that going over but, real well. <laughs> uh, my kids know I know people, and they're like, so they, they'll be like, how did you know that? I'm like, dude, I know. He's like, I'm Intel. How do you know that before me? Kind of mm. thing. And um, so the, my kids are a little scared. And so they sometimes don't tell me everything that's going on, which is good because I can't protect and provide. So after the fact, after they get out of a dangerous situation, sometimes it's years later, mm. they tell me. And then I'm like, oh, oh my God. And I'm like, okay, don't, don't tell me more. Don't tell me more because there's more coming around the corner. But right. then you move into this really hard phase of letting it go and having faith and trust and belief in everything you did. That's why I don't regret the way I parented. So I got up when I was tired, I walked across the room, I stopped the fight, I explained to the kids, even though they turned around, they did it again, then I explained it to them again and what we need to do. And like and like in your class today, I literally was like, drop and give me push-ups. And people think I'm kidding, but no, my kids did a lot of push-ups growing up. A lot of push-ups, because I figured that took that angst, that energy, that, um, and funneled it in a good way. Right? So we rewired the anger, the mad, the tired, the fatigue, the sad, the anxiety. And even if it's cleaning a toilet, it was about accountability. It was, are you proud of the work you've done? Are you treating each other well? If not, drop and give me 10. If you mouth off at me, you're gonna do 25. Oh, you must say something else? I got all day, right? Like, and then you either, as you did in the class, jump down and do it with them, right? Mm -hmm. Or you tell them why, you always explain why so they understand the bigger purpose and the bigger reason behind the life lesson and so to me I had to do that when my kids left like why why did I work so hard and raise kids and now they're gone and doing what they're supposed to be doing and mm -hmm. I'm sitting here what is my lesson I have to learn and it's painful I've been doing a lot of push-ups <laughs> doing a, a lot of push-ups <laughs> but nice. if you keep moving through what I call the swamp you move through the swamp pick a direction take five steps Reassess. Do you have new information? Do you not? If not, continue doing five more steps. Otherwise, we can wear ourselves out with worry and doubt. Maybe it's this way. Maybe it's over mm -hmm. here. And do circles and we'll die in the swamp. No one deserves to live in the swamp, right? But we get lost and confused on our path in life. So pick a direction. Keep going. And then all of a sudden, one day, it's like, oh, that's what this was leading to. Hmm. And I have had a couple experiences just this week where I'm like, that's what all those weeks, months, years was leading to this like oh that's beautiful it's like a beautiful movie but you gotta mm. hang on and get through the swamp and the and all of that mm. so keep going yeah keep going yeah I, I i love that you mentioned the swamp it, it reminds me of um one of the things that i i talk about in my podcast is the idea of managing our mess oh. and to me this mess is the acronym mental emotional spiritual and social we all like come into every situation with a mess. How we're thinking about things, how we're feeling about things, you know, what, what we believe about things, and what are the social ramifications are of whatever we're doing. And yeah, we, sometimes it's a slog. We, we mm -hmm. need to manage that or mm -hmm. it manages us. And then we get stuck in the swamp for mm -hmm. who knows how long. And so 
and manage those thoughts. I should be faster. I shouldn't be in the mess. I shouldn't be stuck in the swamp. What is wrong with me? Everyone else's podcast is taking off and 700,000 million views, right? Like it's very easy when you're in the swamp, stress, tired, doubt, overwhelm, uh, anything going on with family, friends, work, it all compiles up on it very quickly if we're not being self-aware and watching it. And that's when doubt and overwhelm and burnout and depression and um, what I call the adverse cycle spiral yeah. happens. Um, so yeah, we're, we're all kind of a mess. Yeah. At least I am. Oh. Like at least I, I am. But the key is get up and keep moving. And it's yeah. okay and be kind, like, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, going back to this idea of the purple threads, right, when we recognize our own purple threads and that it's okay for us to have purple threads, mm-hmm. taking out the you shouldn't have that, that, that judgment language and the finger pointing, and recognizing that we give everybody else permission to have some purple threads of their own, mm-hmm. we give everybody else permission to have the mess and say, you know what, I got some mess. Yeah. I'm messy. Humans are messy. Yeah. Life is messy. It's yeah. a swamp sometimes. Yeah. It's really, really difficult. Yeah. And sometimes all we can do is, yeah, take a step. And, you know, we have our why, we have that big deal, we have our mission, and we mm-hmm. just take a step towards that. Sometimes all we can do is, is just put one step in front of the other. I, I love mountaineering, and I, uh, you know, we live in Colorado. We've got yeah, yeah. 58, 14,000 foot peaks. And I remember, uh, so I've summited several. I remember one time I was doing um, Mount Beardstad in Evans, just west of Denver. So we got to the summit of Beardstad and it was easy. We hit the top and it was all of a sudden a huge gust of wind. It was really cold. And so we came down into the saddle to Evans and it was so cold and windy and hard. And as we got down to the saddle, started going back up to Mount Evans. It was literally, okay, one step, next step, next step. Let's get to that rock. Let's get up to that mm-hmm, tree. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. you know, that lesson has stuck with me of, you know, just the slog sometimes of, yeah. of just, we had a goal, but sometimes that goal seems so far away. Yeah, yeah. You know, and the progress seems so slow and incremental. All yeah. we can do is is focus on the process. Yeah. And that's, that's the, where that warrior mindset comes in. Um, how have you seen that play out in your life? Like, you're a two-time entrepreneur. Yeah. Successful yeah. businesswoman. Yeah. What was that like for you? <laughs> you know, where, where did that battle come in there and, and the, the, oh, the swamp? And I feel like most of it's in the swamp. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, it's easy to say, I should be doing better now. I should have, like, you know, completely paid off the mortgage by now. I should have, mm. you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, and so it's a process. It, it's And I look at it. So one of the things I wrote on my fridge, I'm a big believer in when I recognize a thought surrounding myself, telling someone who can help me hold mm-hmm. accountable and say, that's your purple thread mm-hmm. or PT. Mm-hmm. And then you can just like, it stops an argument. Like, like if we're starting to lock horns, you can say purple thread. I didn't say that. This is what I was saying. You're like, oh, okay. Yeah, I guess I was defensive. Um, but I feel like that, that hike, and I love hiking too. Um, and there's been many times I've done hikes where I'm like, why am I so slow? Mm-hmm. Why is this so hard? Why am I breathing so hard? And then well, I'm like, okay, you have a pack on and you've gone through rain, snow, wind, cold. Don't move to Colorado, people. It's an awful state to live in. Go away. Don't come. No, just kidding. Um, and, and then you look at your altitude and then I look down 
and I can see the little zigzag. I'm like, dang, that was really steep. But when I was going up it, a lot of times I don't give myself what I call grace and space. And, and so it's still a process. And I'm here to win my own game, my own scorecard, not anybody else's. And I have to remember that. So I put little notes around my house. And so I put one on my fridge that was about one person who says like what you just said of the beginning of this is worth, literally worth its weight in gold to me emotionally. So, you know, sometimes it's like, oh, that was very nice. I'm sure he was just being polite. Um, he probably doesn't really mean it. He probably, no, why do we do that? Mm -hmm. So instead I'm rewiring my brain, like that was worth his entire body weight in gold. And I just do that with every person who says, you've made a difference or this really helped me. I'm like that body weight in gold. And um, because we can't take it with us, right? And yeah. we do have a beautiful life here in Colorado. I, I love being outdoors and the nature and, the, and, and all of that. And so mm. my kids are successful. I'm truly happy, right? Um, is everything perfect? Heck no. <laughs> and it's a choice on how I see it. Right. Do I also have gratitude for things that are coming? Do I use some of the things they do skills, visu visualization techniques? So like chair flying in the Air Force or 68 seconds is one that I teach. Do I visualize that success before it's here and have gratitude and excitement and enthusiasm and it's coming and what do I need to do to make that happen? I need to do one more zigzag, right? Yeah. And, and, and then, then just one more after that. And then I can have some water when I get to that rock. And then I can have, you know, a celebration glass of wine when I close one more contract. I just need one more contract, mm. right? And so what is the goal that you want? Because we can get sidetracked in the swamp like, oh, I want money. Oh, I want fame. Oh, I want 600 likes. Oh, I want the. And then at the end of the day, we go to bed and we're sad and we're lonely because we didn't define what is success for us. And I think that is something I learned the hard way in raising my kids is like, what was success? I was just so dang hard on myself the whole time. And now I can look back with a little bit more space and kindness about my definition of success and am I fulfilling it versus am I not measuring up to so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. Because -and -so. Um, that's a no-win situation. I right. want them to elevate me and I want them to look at me and just say, she elevates me. Like That's how all boats rise. Yeah. So um, I've covered a lot today. <laughs> Um, but my favorite question to ask at okay. the end okay. is going back to this idea of vision, yeah. getting clear on your big deal. If you had two minutes to tell everybody in the world mm. one thing, what would it be? Uh, I, so wrapping all this up in our conversation, kind of what I would say after today is I would say my family oath. Many people don't have a family oath. It's something I created because hmm. I wanted it. What do we stand for? Who are we? What is our guiding light? Like what are the bumpers playing bowling, right? So um, mine was I treat others and myself with love, respect, and kindness. And I first started with I treat others with love, respect, and kindness. And it was many years I had that. And then I realized I need the hardest person for me hmm. to treat with love, respect, and kindness is myself and not having those limiting thoughts like you know i wasn't like like mean you know to myself and abusing myself or anything like that but the internal dialogue was not of a friend it was not of a companion it was not of someone who loves me so i had to show that to my kids because i saw that in my kids that they were doing it for everybody else and not for themselves too so i think that would be my message to the world is do some hard hard deep self-actualization 
look at uh, Maslow's hierarchy, look at the work that you're doing, look at Purple Threads. The ultimate goal of this is self-love because if I have self-love and I treat myself with respect and kindness, that means it's emanating to everybody else that it means it's the energy and what I think, it's what I say, it's what I do. I role model it, I give permission to other people to treat themselves with love, respect, and kindness, and that is our normal. So people know I teach a monthly Wounded Warrior Project, um, a virtual class for the last two and a half years, and so one person on there is always like very, very angry, and they know like, I, I have anger, I have anger and I've used it as my fuel. <laughs> I've changed school district policy when they mess with my kids, I'll tell you that. And those are my parameters. I will bend over backwards to figure out what is at the root of that anger and that meanness. And it's made the most strongest allies out of people that I can, not everybody, and that's okay. But if we can do that and role model how to treat yourself and others with love, respect, and kindness, that would be my wish. Amazing. Last question. Okay. How can people get in touch with you? Oh, that's an easy one. <laughs> Thank you. So, <laughs> Abigail G. Manning. You need the G in there, or you get Peyton Manning's sister-in-law. So, Ab <laughs> <laughs> so, AbigailGManning.com. Um, Abigail at AbigailGManning.com. Um, LinkedIn. I do more on LinkedIn. I'm on some social media, but, you know, help my numbers bump up a little bit if you want people. Um, and otherwise, maybe in the show notes you can add some. Yeah. I'll, I'll leave the contact information in the show notes. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much. Guys, I, please let me know what you think. Uh, this is the first time we've ever done anything like this. I know so many amazing people who uh, have really embodied the, the warrior mindset and have been through some really hard things, but have come through the other side as an example of courage, of compassion, and so let me know what you think about this. If you want more of these, um, I, would, I would love your feedback. And until then, as I always say, uh, always remember the power to win resides within. Oh, I like it. There's always a way. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. If you found this podcast impactful, please like and subscribe. And join us for new episodes every Warrior Wednesday. For more information, tools, and resources to help you in your daily battles, for questions or to work with me, shoot me an email at artofwarforlife at gmail.com. Most important, always remember the power to win resides within. There is always a way. <laughs>